Welcome everybody to another fun-filled episode of Mostly AV with our special hostess with the mostest, Michelle Lorette, and our special I guest, have- Justin Watts. Our Hello. second episode of the season. Welcome everybody. How's everybody doing? Hey Justin. Thanks for Hello. joining us. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. So Justin, for those who've been living under a rock somewhere, is a CTS DMCD ITIL. And his current gig is with a fruit company, um, which we really appreciate. He's a senior design engineer. And so Jerry, I think this is our first um, it's our first retraction episode, so I'm kind of excited because nobody calls us out of our three listeners. But thankfully, Justin is an avid listener and a subject matter expert, and so uh, we had gotten to a conversation uh, talking about training um, because we want to promote training within our industry and the certification, and we got some things wrong. And so, uh, thankfully, Justin chimed in to call us out and let us know that we we were close, but not correct. And then I tried to Google it, and, you know, if it doesn't come up in a Google search, I don't know how I'm wrong. So, Justin is here with us today, and he is going to talk to us about training in Avixa and and what what we got wrong. So, I'm, I'm fascinated, and I, I open this. I'm, I'm very welcome to receiving this. Are you welcome? Because you really talk the most trash. In our last call, Jerry. So I, I did, think. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, I mean, sorry, you're the yeah. one. I, you've been through it. I still yes. have to get my book from Justin's house, and he's, and he's a trick <laughs> commuter. So we're still working on that. I, but I'm trying to coordinate it with a room cake. So um, just to make up for it being so many, many, many months. Um, but yeah, so yeah, Justin. So uh, if we hearken back to I don't know a month ago, um, what did we get wrong? Tell us. Start start at the top, wherever you like. Well, I mean, to, to start, I wouldn't say it's a retraction, right? I mean, a lot of people have some misconceptions about training in general because I'll be sure. really honest, our industry does not do a fantastic job of developing training that is easily digestible and something that is relevant to most of our folks in mass, Right. Okay. And sure. let me preface that. Let me preface everything that I'm about to say that this is my personal opinion, right? Okay. Um, yeah. Every, 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 people who know me, where'd that come from? People who know me know that I, I do uh, teach the show. I'm very involved in training because I see the value in training. I also see uh, the, the value that organizations like Avixa bring to that market to really develop programs that not only make sense, but are also relevant, right? Yeah. And so one of the things that really stood out to me, and and Jerry's opinion in this statement, what he said was not anything that's terribly uncommon. We we hear that a lot. Um, Okay. Regardless of where you sit in the organization, um, is the fact that, you know, people think that the training from a relevancy standpoint was one person who just put some stuff on paper and oh, voila, here's the training, right? And when it comes to, in, in this case, we'll use the CTS as an example, Michelle. Um, the original CTS was written and developed by a board of your peers, of people mm-hmm. who, who, who've done this job, um, who sat down and codified it, who built a, uh, worked off a, a job task analysis to show what exactly someone does who should have, or someone should be able to do who holds a CTS. And they stepped from there to build the program that we have today. And when you compare that to, from an industry standpoint, to um, uh, other certifications that may or may not fall in that same realm, it really is pretty robust in a lot of ways. And they've made a lot of changes along the way too, um, that they've adjusted it to, to uh, incorporate new pro- new uh, odds and ends in the AV world, like networking. You know, they really mm-hmm. done a lot of work to incorporate networking into that environment. Um, right. The project management is a part of it, you know, in, in the, the three domain areas, uh, they focus pretty heavily on the, the construction and delivery 
of AV solutions. I mean, by construction, I mean design, user uh, user interactions, those kinds of things. So it, it's not just um, it's not just random either. There really isn't. It's not someone who just decided one day they were going to make a quick buck and throw down some data, and voila, here we have the CTS. Um, there has yeah. been a lot of time invested in it from people just like us uh, every single day that see something, uh, see, you know, the old, <laughs> the old adage from robots, you know, see a need, fill a need, right? They see a need right. in the environment, and they fill that need by dumping their knowledge that they have into it and voila here's your next training platform so let me ask you this just do you feel like um perhaps my opinions in the last show kind of uh accused it of that being that uh i don't think i i really i don't look at it that way that it's not that i don't look at it that it's not that i think my comments that i think you, that we have a different opinion about it, it's about the prep and some of the courses or I was speaking about one specific course that I took and my experience with it. And, and, my, and you took which one, Jerry, for the listeners? The preparation for this, the CTSD prep at Infocom, which was like okay. a three-day course okay. and blah, 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 you know. Right. Uh-huh. Right. And I think that's where either I misspoke or I didn't speak to the entire course. And I think that's maybe where, you know, I believe that's where you kind of said, whoa, hang on a second. That's when Justin, I believe that's when he commented back on us. Am I correct, Justin? I'm actually trying to find that link so that I can speak to it because I will, I will be, uh, I will be 100 honest. I've slept since then. Oh, same, um, same I here. Yeah. I'm gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> what did we say? What did I say that? Did <laughs> yeah. I put it in writing? I'm just yeah, curious. I, I believe my, my my comment on our last episode, and we kind of got a little bit into it, is that a lot of it is to kind of teach you how to take the test. That's, that, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. That's right. It. And I just, okay. and I just, I just found that listing. So, mm -hmm. um, the courses themselves by design, when you go do a prep course, any prep course, whether it's CTS or PMP or whatnot, uh -huh. the goal should not be to teach the test. And we actually, when, when I taught CTS prep, because uh, I can't uh -huh. teach it, I can't teach it anymore because I'm on the CTS steering committee, and we can't, you know, keeping the lines separate is very important. Um, oh, interesting. That's a that's a fun fact. Okay, so yeah, it is. So they, if you're on the yeah, if you're on the steering committee, you can't really delve in that level because they want to make sure that those on the steering committee aren't influencing or sharing, don't have the opportunity to share anything they should share. Which really we can't share anything anyway because we don't dig that deep into that minutia, right? But Okay. Um, it's an anti thing. It's very important to, to uphold the criticality of the standard by doing so. Um, it's interesting because the goal of that class really isn't to teach the test. The goal is to go through the domain areas to show what you should be specifically aware of when it comes to knowledge areas. Okay. At, which, which were defined previously by JTAs and analysis and whatnot. Right. And, and it did and, accomplish that. You know, my experience yeah. did accomplish that. Uh, I was commenting on that, you know, the realist, the realistically also familiarizing yourself with the, um, the methodology of the delivery of the test that's to be expected. And because so the, the test is designed, there is portions of that test that is designed to, I wouldn't necessarily call it a trick questions, but there's some trick questions in it. And, and certain, a lot of questions are kind of phrased in certain ways that might throw the average person off. I, I would tread lightly with this type of trick questions, right? Because I wouldn't. Well, no, no, that's what, that's what I'm saying. You know, for lack of a better word, the, the questions and, you know, they're, they're put forth in a way that I could think possibly could I think be what you're trying to say is I would I'd put it this way when it comes to certain questions on a test and this is any test including other certifications oh yeah 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 they're looking for what's considered to be the most correct answer right that's it. the most correct that's a very good uh, right. delineation actually I, right right because one plus one is two two plus zero is two 
So the same thing, two different ways to get there. Which right. one is more prevalent, right? Okay. And not, and not well, not only that, but uh, part of the thing that I learned in that course is that it's not, again, I think I was referencing that the course tells you, it's like, okay, when you see this kind of question, they're not telling you how to, they're just saying, look out, because some questions are asked in a certain way that, mm -hmm. you know, that you have to, you have to read it very, very careful to find out exactly what the real question is within that question. So the science of writing test questions mm -hmm. and, a, and a person who writes test questions, the science is called psychometrology and the person that writes test questions is called a psychometrician. There's a reason oh. why the word psycho is in the, in the title. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> their, their goal is when, when they, when they really drill down to these questions, their goal is to, to really dig into that knowledge area. And it does require some distractors that may be close to the answer, but from the course material, what you're expected to know, there could be more than, you know, there could be an answer that is the more, more correct of the, the three, three or four that are there. What's interesting in our industry, and I don't think it's unique to our industry, but it is something that's very prevalent in our industry, is that there's always more than one way to do something. Right? Right. Right. Yes, yes, and yes. So, I say that all the time. I mean, there's more than one way to skin a cat, as we say here south of uh, Oklahoma. So looking at those answers and... What's really funny is, I, I, I'll phrase it this way for me, when I took the test, um, I walked in with my brain going a million miles a minute, and uh -huh. uh, I, I had just started a job as a program manager working in the ITAV realm was when I first met uh, Michelle, because we were doing stuff at uh, oil and gas company in Houston, and yeah. in my mind, I was God's gift to the AV industry. I knew everything. And when I walked into that room, that's why you I got a rum cake. Because yeah, <laughs> you were God's gift to AV, and God was getting a rum cake. That's for sure. <laughs> well, well, then I walked into the room, and the very first thing that I learned from that in engagement was, I, I had so many things rolling around in my head that I was actually answering test questions that I knew for a fact I knew the answer because I read the course material and I could actually verbatim recall it. But even my brain was like, well, you know, that other answer is actually quite good. Where are they going with this? Right? Right. So yeah. It really does come. It like really does come. Go ahead. Do you think like, it's like a word problem? Do you think like you needed more? Because you know how like we were in school, right? You know, high school or whatever. And they, they give you a word problem. And sometimes you just read it and you have an answer. And they're like, no, because you read the word problem wrong. Did you feel like they needed more words? to like explain where they were coming from because you're already thinking of three different ways depending upon what the use case is, right? Of, well, do I go left? Do I right. go right? Do I go straight? Yeah, right. I, I can see that. Like, see, and that's one of the things I think on the last episode I spoke of that if you're, the more experienced you are, the more history you have, the harder it is for you to take because you have more of those answers built up in your head. Yeah, you can read a question and go, well, I... I've had that be the right answer. I've had C be the right answer. I've also had B be the right answer. They're both correct, yeah. but in different ways. And what they're teaching, my understanding from what they're, again, Justin is 100% correct. They are expecting, and this is a quote from them and the instructors, like they're looking for the most correct. Mm -hmm. The thing is, it's most correct to the, their industry standards. And that's oh. what I was. Uh, that's what I was speaking to. It's not our. It's not their industry standards. It's your industry standards because a, or, a board of your peers did this. I mean, right? If, if we can't point the finger and say, "Well, this person is the one who wrote that question," I mean, really, right. it's derived from the red book. It's going to be whatever color book it is next with edition three coming out. Right. Um, this is where. Well, well it, it, I mean, my argument to that is that it's still that organization's answers. That's that's fair, and I would say that you have a fair point for a man named Jerry Gallegos to volunteer to import his knowledge into a volunteer opportunity to have, help develop a more robust and more austere set of test questions. 
Yeah, stop being so stop, stop being so greedy. Stop hoarding <laughs> your knowledge, Jerry. Give back. Come on, man. Here, uh, this is your call to action to participate. Uh, um, I would I would so, say one thing though, Jerry. You you nailed something on the head, and it's one of the things that I I was trying to allude to as well. The more years experience you have in the chair doing X and doing things a certain way, whether it's your way, the way you were taught, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. It does make it difficult sometimes to go into an exam where they're looking for you to react to a codified body of knowledge, which yeah. is, you know, the book of some sort. Right. It does make it difficult. I mean, it's it just does. like, you know, uh, going shooting for the, for the very first time, uh, having been a shooting, uh -huh. having, having been an instructor, you know, you take someone who has zero knowledge of, of firearms and give them uh, a few tidbits to work off of and whatnot, and they tend to be um, a little more proficient when it comes to those kind of engagements, as opposed to someone who may be self-taught or has a lot of knowledge in their head, a lot of bad habits that have already formed, and trying to break those bad habits becomes difficult and it impacts their shooting scores, right? I'm not saying experience in the AV industry is a bad habit. I'm just saying that sometimes we have to think ourselves. Sometimes we have seen thousands of situations in which uh, we've done things 999 different ways. And that one way they're looking for is the way that someone at some point in time, like you, us three in a room said, hey, this is how we should do it. Right. Exactly. Well, I will say that gives me a great excuse for why I never started using that water rower because my husband was explaining the technique for rowing and I was like, oh, I don't want to learn the wrong way. And I was worried that I would learn it the wrong way. Forget that it might have given me some health benefits, even if I was doing it the wrong way. So I just never did it. There you go. Thanks, water rower. Um, and then eventually I bought out the contract after I paid on a monthly basis longer than um, the actual value of the rower. Uh, but that was just a sidebar. So I was curious. So when uh, does, he, does anybody in the group know how long the CTS has been around? Has it been a couple decades, a decade and a half? Uh, I've only been around like a couple 10 of years, so at least a couple decades. So. Yeah, I think it. it I, I don't know for a fact, but the first I've heard of it was either late nineties, early two thousand. Okay. Okay. For, early. I don't know. I don't then, know the date. Uh, I'm, I'm saying okay. when and I heard for of those it. listeners that aren't up to see Justin ANSI is an acronym for what governing body, what organization when you referenced ANSI earlier in the conversation for those that might not know. I'm getting the actual, cause I have a hard time butchering acronyms. I apologize. Uh, no, 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 we don't have, we only have a couple, so you should yeah. be able to keep <laughs> all three. <straight. laughs> yeah, ANSI stands for the American national standards Institute. Right. So I know now I've been given some anecdotal evidence um, that ANSI coming on board was a good thing. Um, did y'all both take your certification classes after they were already uh, approved, if you will, by the ANSI um, organization? Was ANSI already involved when y'all first got involved with getting continuing education in pro-AV? So when I took mine and got my CTS, uh, it was already the the new ANSI standard process. So taking okay, the, okay. yeah, taking the test through a certified testing facility. It wasn't available online anymore, or that, that kind of stuff. Yeah, right. And well, I did find the tidbit: the CTS has been in existence for more than thirty years. Yeah. Oh, wow. God, yeah, okay. okay. Well, well, I'm such a Johnny come lately. I know, right? What the yeah. heck do I know? Well, that's good to know, actually. And I was curious. Now, I did hear that the process prior to them getting that ANSI um, participation and becoming part of, of that uh, group, right, uh, that it was a very subjective. There was actually an interview with a committee. And so, yeah, oh, yeah. So it was more about, like, whether they liked you or not. So you might have done okay on the test. But then once they interviewed you, they were like, meh, we're not letting that guy in. No, sorry, dude, fail. And so Anthony was like, yeah, yeah, that's too subjective. 
our, we want our tests. Testing cannot be, it has, it cannot be subjective, right? It has to be black and white. You know, this is it. It just has to do with the subject body of knowledge. So these committees, Justin, that help develop the curriculum, um, how many people on average do you know? Um, I, I know you've been an educator for quite a while. Do you, do you know about how many people, and you participate. So how many people are on the, these types of committees that help come up with the, uh, with the um, core content? That I do not know because I have, no. not been, I have not been on the committee that develops the, the specific okay. the core content that we have now. Uh, on gotcha. the steering committee, obviously, they just selected an, several of us to the, that new body, but I can't speak uh -huh. to that. And obviously, I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to drag oh, things no, no. into this because I don't want to get in trouble. No. <laughs> oh, no, no. I was just curious. You know, is it five yeah. people? Is it 10? Is it 20? I mean, it's neither here nor there. I mean, they're all subject matter experts. They're all people that probably have a lot of existing certifications, which, full disclosure, I don't have. Um, no, but I thought that was interesting. And I do think, um, I do think it's a good thing to have. I, uh, I met with, um, an individual. She went to work for McDine in a business development, um, position. And I thought this was very interesting. First of all, she totally shamed me because she was in the process, uh, she had just started of getting her CTS. And here I am at this point, I met with her last year. So I had already been in the industry, I don't know, eight, nine years. And, uh, she told some of her coworkers, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get my CTS. And they were like, really? You know, like, here's the new girl, right? Or lady, if you will. Uh, and she's an MBA. So she, of course, in her own mind was like, well, yeah, if I have my MBA, I'm sure I can figure this out. I mean, you know, I did get my MBA after all. Um, and to this day, to her credit, she actually did get it. Uh, within, by studying and, and, and doing some uh, prep coursework, uh, she did get it within like her first 90 days. But I kind of like people that like dive all in and commit to it. And I really, I regret now, I wish somebody would have explained to me how much more meaningful it would have been back when I first worked for an integrator in 2011. I had an opportunity because the owner uh, of the integrator that I worked for was the incumbent president of at the time Infocom. Um, and so, you know, they were all like, get your CTS. And I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. Now I'm just trying to sell something so these people don't fire me. Um, so I was more focused on that. Um, and I was smart enough to know that I was not going to walk in anywhere and be a subject matter expert. I was just going to go in and ask a whole bunch of questions and make sure I had a good site survey. Um, and then I would have smarter people figure it out on the back end. But in hindsight, I should have taken advantage of that. Um, yeah. And I see a little kitty cat in the background, Jerry. Hey, kitty. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, and I, I would say to, to kind of echo what you just said, the CTS, having your CTS and not having your CTS does not mean, in my personal opinion, does not make you less valuable in this industry if you don't have it. There are so many individuals in this industry that I know that are literal rocket scientists when it comes to what we do. Mm -hmm. and they don't have their CTS for one reason or another because maybe they're not busy, admin a priority, it's whatever. The CTS is just another, it really is another one of those items in your tool bag that you can use to show what you're doing to build your own personal brand and what you're doing to further the industry, right? Um, yeah. A lot of a lot of bid work coming out nowadays is requires it to have whoever's submitting or whatnot has to have a CTS in one way or another. And so yeah. uh, being able to, to speak to that, being able to, to oh. speak that language to show what it means is important. But also, yeah. I think it also speaks to, again, something that Jerry alluded to uh, in the show, the, the last show, uh, building yourself is important. Right, building your own personal brand, building upon your continuing education is important, mm -hmm. but it's also your responsibility, right? Yeah. No one's right. going to do it for you. There is no other stamp to make this work. Um, that each of us is here, we are now, and and the thousands of listeners to this podcast also are are where they are right now, because at one point in time they took a conscious step forward in this industry. And built upon what they had and moved forward. 
And that's something that the CTS is that stamp of. It's someone who stepped up and said, you know, I've, I've reached a point in the industry where I want to uh, display, if you will, want to test myself, want to certify the fact that what I've done so far meets this body of standards. And it is my goal to not only share this body of standards, but exemplify what they mean. Right. That goes for anything in the environment, whether, I mean, I've got a lot of alphabet soup after my name that I don't even list. Why? Because it's yeah. too long on, on LinkedIn. And I think Chuck Espinosa has the record for alphabet soup after his name on LinkedIn. I don't really need that. Right. Plus on business cards, it, like you, you lose stuff. doesn't right. matter. My goal is he compensating day, by putting all of his certifications? Let us know now. Oh, Chuck Espinosa is <laughs> one of the rocket scientists that I was talking about. <laughs> no. You know, I'm um, just messing with you. Come on, come on. Yeah, no, just uh, it's one of those things where being able to define that path forward and to take yeah. the reins, if you will, to me, that's awesome. And I think also me, yeah. part of the CTS too is that you're taking ownership of your career in this industry. It, exactly. It's like you're showing to your peers that you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not just playing the game, but you're part of this industry. It's like you're taking ownership in the family of this industry. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and so that's definitely a plus. And I think people recognize that commonality that in that fashion where, you know, cause I, I, over my, my years in the industry, I walk up, it's like, oh, you have your CTS? Like, okay, cool. All of a sudden, it's like, you're instantly verified in a way where yeah. manufacturers talk to you differently, employers talk to you differently, consultants talk to you differently. Because at that point, they're not wondering, it's like, well, is this guy just playing and, you know, dipping their toes in the water or are they serious? Or, you know, have they taken their career seriously enough to go through this process? Well, and it's interesting because I think, um, so I've been working on a few initiatives uh, with a gentleman out of Australia. His name is Essam. Uh, we're Twitter friends. Essam was like the uh, Oceana. He lives down in Australia. He's Egyptian-Australian. Um, um, like he was the you know, young AV professional of the year, 2018, 40 under 40 in 2019. Super, super sharp guy. And one of the things that he and I had talked about was what a great job the organization has done in terms of promoting maybe within the U.S. Because you do see it. I see it on bid specs. I mean, I, you know, obviously, I know tons of people that do design build work. Jerry prefers design build work. Mm -hmm. um, side note, i.e. smart systems. Uh, but, you know, I, I have a lot of engineers. That's what they prefer. But, um, but that other places in the world, like maybe in the UK or Europe or the Middle East, whatever, uh, they don't see that as a requirement as much. And I wonder, how do you get people's attention? I don't know. You know, how do you make it? Because the weird thing about anything in the world I've noticed um, from an AV perspective is that we can do things one thing in the United States and almost the whole entire including like the way we manufacture and distribute in the U.S. is you different say, than how they do it, even, even Michelle, in Canada. You know? yeah. So you kind of cut out after the whole, you know, oh, after sorry. the big United States, your phone kind of cut out a little bit. So if you can say that again. Yeah. So it was, you know, it's, it, it's big in the United States to have that type of certification. Mm -hmm. Right. And we right. see it on the specifications, but we don't, they don't necessarily see it. Um, I guess is appreciated, right? And as a, a standard base level, you know, because I know right. my husband's been an RCDD for a long time, right? Coming from the telecommunications side. And so, you know, I've seen on bid specs for 25 years, yeah, for structure cabling, let's have an RCDD on staff, right? And when I see that person. And so in the U.S., I think the organization has done a good job, but globally, it's not. It's not much a requirement, I think, for right. uh, certain opportunities. How do, I don't know, any ideas on how you go about promoting it? I mean, does that make sense? You, how do you get it to be more important in other parts of the world? Because we're so different here. I don't know. You know? I think the, ma how do you make I think in the manufacturers, part? the bigger ones need to push it a some. 
to a certain extent because really yeah. i think one of the reasons why it's not as well because we're one country so when mm -hmm. when one industry inside of one country adopts mm -hmm. something yeah uh, you know we're the most popular country, whatever people tend to follow what we do however there's a lot in the smaller countries a lot of them may have their own internal organization uh, and it's just coordinating right. those people because you know I'm, i'm pretty sure the organizations like for an architect in france the requirements are very yeah. different than here you know just because they 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 organically have their own organizations and you know france it's smaller than texas so we right. just have we just have we're we're just from our si physical size and you know population yeah. size and stuff it's easier for us and so we're one united you know we all watch abc cnn whatever yeah whereas that's just one of 150 options to them because they have their own little standard or i don't mean to say little but they have their own standards based on their country and their their region yeah so it's kind of like if If all, if the U.S., if none of the states, if all of our states were separate countries, we're not likely to have one unifying organization because everybody yeah, would have their own, you know. Sure, sure. I just, I don't know, it, it gets a little frustrating because mm -hmm. on social media, people tend to complain, uh, bitch and moan, if you will. Right. Um, and I don't think there's a lot of appreciation. Like, they feel like the organization could do more, but well, from where I sit, in the country that I sit, in the state that I sit, it seems to be just fine. You know? Right. I mean, I, I, I look at even the structured cabling industry, the big C conferences. They, they can do it in the hall at the MGM Grand. We can mm -hmm. never host an M Infocom there. <laughs> you know, I mean, give me a break, you know. Right. I mean, we have exponentially tens of thousands of more visitors, whether it's an ISC or an Infocom or even an Infocom India or Infocom Asia, you know. Um, and yet, so I, I just think people are kind of judgy. And I, I think when you have such a large organization that has to worry about the whole world, right, not just the U.S., I mean, maybe you're going to be a little bit stronger in home base. I mean, look at any yeah. integrator, right? What, what's their strongest market? Usually their backyard. I mean, if they're not owning their backyard, they're angry, right? I mean, if I'm based in Tampa or I'm based in Virginia, guess what? I better have a market share, right? A lion's share of the market where my headquarters is, you know, because that's, you know, going to be a sense of pride. Right. Um, But yeah, you know, when you're in the U.S. trying to communicate that, I was just curious if you had any thoughts. I don't know. Um, well, it's one you know, we're talking about certain levels of certification. There is one organization that is global on certifications. That's Cisco. Mm -hmm. I know. I know. That's, yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's the only one that I can think of in a technical realm that truly is, no matter what country you go to, there's yeah. a Cisco certification. Oh, yeah carries weight and it's mandatory for a lot of people all around the world. Well, I mean, I think our Cisco equivalent, although it's a fraction of the size of Cisco, would probably be Crestron, you know, right, but exactly. it's not agnostic. It's, it's just very specific. Right. And because it's, I mean, yes, they're on layer, layers now, but, you know, with Cisco, it's a lot about networking. It's all built around their product, but that they seem to have the lion's share so maybe that would be our equivalent but it's maybe not yeah. as meaningful because well i don't know i'm sure i don't know i if i had to guess and i don't know justin do you have any um crestron certifications have you ever been crestron certified i, I do have crestron certifications and uh, they've helped what, me in a number of ways what, what, per, what percentage of the information is just good information what percentage is just specific to them or is it kind of hard to divide out i don't know i'm, I'm literally asking because i have no idea i would think mean, that a lot of good just general information right i mean some some of it is but it really depends on the instructor um uh, okay. have, we're fortunate enough to have an instructor here in uh texas that was mark harrison he works for crestron and he's probably uh, forgotten more than i will ever learn about the technology of this industry, right? He's just, again, one of those rocket scientists that just- I love people. He walks, he walks into a room and technology 
automatically fixes itself because they know if it doesn't, Mark's going to do something just heinous to it, right? <laughs> it really it depends on healing. Yeah, like right. Um, it really depends on that, that that player when it comes to that kind of stuff. Because you're right, you know, Crestron and even Cisco are very cloistered markets. Even Cisco's uh, Cisco certifications when it comes to their hardware are absolutely based on their hardware. But let's not forget, yep. they also teach industry standard knowledge in those certifications, right? right? That's you know? the point I think I was trying to make, right? Yeah, yeah well, there's going to be standard stuff. There's going to be good takeaways, even if it's, you know, bent towards a certain manufacturer. And remember, we're looking at it now, you know, Avixa is building standards literally every single day that then in turn get incorporated into the certifications that we deliver you know the latest one being discus right so getting rid of the old school four six and eight row rule you know thumb against the screen yep that looks pretty good and actually codifying mathematical fact around uh you know the actual components of an image and actually delivering that as a package that someone can use and say okay well given the element height on the screen combined with what you want to do in the room as far as who needs to sit where here's the sweet spot where someone needs to be for a monitor of this size, right? It gets you out of that argument nice. of, well, you know what? I went down to, uh, to Magnolia or to Best Buy the other day and picked up uh, the 65-inch OLED. We're going to put this on the wall and call it good. Well, no, it's right. not. The, the math doesn't support it, right? Oh, and by the way, in case anyone forgot, uh, Best Buy sent a large contingent of their technicians to get their CTS not really? two years ago. Yeah. To Avixa, to, to oh, yeah. I taught them in my class. Oh wow! So I'm, I'm not surprised. No, 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 because I knew this because I won a project, and the well, I, it was given to me actually. We had done a good job in Houston. They had a Denver office. They saw that the integrator I was working for was in Denver. They said, and it was an oil and gas company. And then they said, oh. Well, now you get the Calvary project. And I was like, oh, gee, now I'm crossing the border. I, I was totally uncharted territory. And there we didn't have resources. And so when I reached out, uh, the Best Buy has a commercial division. And in Canada, yeah, you can get them to do your hanging bangs for you. And I was like, well, that's really all I need. You know, I can figure everything else out. And they had a working with internally at the end user of the the client that he was able to handle uh, like setting up the polycom codec and stuff. So, yeah, but I, I did not realize that they were ahead of this. Yeah, they had a special division. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, well, guess yeah, who else I thought that was fascinating. Guitar Center. Guitar Center has them? Yeah. Guitar, I, Guitar Center Pro. Yeah. Guess who I taught at Infocom last year? CTS Pro. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know. I wow, didn't know until a year ago. Yeah, I had a recruiter about a year ago reach out talking to me about Guitar Center Pro, and I was like, "What is this?" Because I mean, it had been like a few a few short months since we had been like bemoaning some of their financial woes, right? And I was right. like, "They have a pro division. How did this happen?" Well, they but, had a pro division for a very long time. I back when I was in retail back at Marsh Music, late nineties, they had a pro oh, division. Wow. Yeah, because. But, I mean, it's all focused around the kind of like the recording studio world and some yeah. PA stuff, but they well, were trying to do small churches and stuff back then. But it's grown drastically, yeah. obviously. Well, look, you know. look what happened, though. They hired Doug Carnell from ABI SPL that brought him in to build that division. I mean, he's, he's uh, one of Game Busters and building a, a division of Guitar Center that will go and dissolve your AV. And they're actually hired. They, Guitar Center bought an AV company last year. Remember that? Who did they buy? They bought ADG. Oh, I think I do remember that. Now that you said that. So people, well, if yeah, we as ourselves, as the the awesomeness that is the AV industry, I'm not saying me, I'm saying everyone who's here right now and everyone who will come doesn't see the value in that standardization, that certification. Others will. And they will come in and make the market for us. Yeah, absolutely. That's where a lot of this comes from, is being able to get everyone marching to the same drum, everyone on the same page, 
and we're all doing the same glorious AV work every day, day in and day out. Right. Setting a standard. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of like, I think, you know, kind of like setting a flag down saying, this is, this is the way we do things. And well, you mentioned, you mentioned Cisco, you know, mm-hmm. IT has done this in spades forever, literally forever. Right. IT looked at this and said, Hey, we're all doing this now. We all need to mm-hmm. do the exact same thing. Let's put some paper around this and make sure everyone's delivering to the same mm-hmm. standard. We as an industry are, to use a term that Michelle used, Johnny Cone lately at that point in time. We're just yeah. now catching up to what that means to us. And I think a large yeah. part of it, too, the large battle that our industry faces as well is that a lot of the manufacturers want to say, well, we do this, but we do it in our little proprietary way. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's the downfall of creating, you know, IT is IT. Networks need to talk to each other regardless of brand, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? We tried. Doesn't always work, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as like, you know, format over, over, you know, uh, twisted pair, whatever, you know, everybody, there's however many formats out, out there that are not compatible. Even things that have the same, oh, we're, we're this compatible, we're this format, HD-based T, not all HD-based work together. Right. Oh, yeah. You well, know, because some manufacturers are like, well, we do it, we do, we use that, but we have our own little twist to it, you know. Everybody's trying to keep yeah. some sort of proprietaryism so that, so you won't step out of their world. I, I, isn't that in the AV DNA though, right? And, but the, I mean, yeah, and that's, I think that's, that's one thing that, that keeps our industry from being as dominant in our standardization as, you know, the Cisco world because business networking forces it to be that way. And AV, we're, mm-hmm. we are, we're, we're, we're the last of the party in a way. And we're still kind of like, no, 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 you know, I'm the best, so use our stuff, but you can't use their stuff because our standards are a little bit different, you know. So, Justin, uh, when you go to make decisions about products, what is your thought process on something like that? Do you, does your employer have an AV standard they prefer? Are they leaving that up to you? Are you helping drive those decisions? Are you part of a team of people? What what does that look like in, in the corporate world? Um, from and you've worked and let me just disclose you've worked multiple corporates both in technology as well as oil and gas. So I think as somebody who's worked at many different types of enterprise customers in different verticals, that maybe uh, you've got some um, some good insight that you could provide. You also hear? Sorry, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Um, I would put it this way, and I've said this for years, and Michelle has heard me say this and has laughed at me for saying it. I don't care whose name is on the box. If tomorrow Whataburger produced a DSP and it did what I needed it to do, I'd buy it. Which is plain and simple. I mean, I'd buy Whataburger anyway. But I'm just saying, I, when it comes to that concept of uh, being beholden to X, Y, or Z for an right. environment, that's where I believe we as an industry have fallen short, right? Because we try and right. sell everyone on an environment. We're not trying to architect an experience. If you're going to architect an experience, guess what? There's tons of experience out there just mm-hmm. to be brought forth. If you're so engaged that you don't do things like a standard, a, a, an ongoing standards review. So one of the things that I've always done, no matter where I've worked, is I've developed a standard delivery package to ensure that uh, everyone's doing the same thing the same way. All the rooms look and feel the same way. So when my user goes to any environment across the globe, they have an experience. Right. That's, that's my secret sauce. If you want, if you want to, if you want my secret sauce, there it is. Go patent it, make millions of dollars, getting a check, be great. Um, so we trademark it. Is that the number one priority? Is the consistent user experience across all markets? And that's what it is. I mean, having that okay. consistent user experience so that when someone walks into a meeting room, they spend less time trying to figure out how to start a meeting and more time worrying about where their catering is. That is my goal. Uh, somebody asked so it's me, as easy as using your cell phone. Like, it's, you already know how to do it. 
You pick you, it up, you don't. Whatever, whatever best fits your user base. Um, okay. The most interesting right. thing that uh, I was asked, actually in my last job interview, they asked me, you know, how I define success. And I, it kind of caught me off guard because, you know, that's, that's not one of the, the usual, you know, cookie cutter job interview questions for us as AV folks. It's like, yeah. you know, what restaurant do you know, restaurant, yada, yada, yada. And I, I thought about it for a second and I realized that the best way I can define success is that when a user walks into a room, the only complaint they give me is the monitors are not lined up. Right. <laughs> that's you know, hilarious. Your experience went so well from inception of the meeting to leaving the room that the only thing they could complain about was the fact that the monitors weren't level. Yeah. Or the kolaches were cold or something. That too, right? If they come in and <laughs> stop that, I will know that I, Justin Watts, have arrived and done something cool, right? Right. Yeah. It yeah, if you never hear about it, if you never get any kudos, that means you're winning, right? Because... Yeah, it's just invisible, like air. And to the last part of your statement, I think what we've missed the boat on is you can have standards. Actually, you should have standards. You can have uh -huh. standards and deploy the same product everywhere and, and make everyone happy. What we as an industry have lost sight of is our innovation isn't that next box. Our innovation is what the next person brings to our environment. And that's on the end user side and on our side. Yep. As exactly. Innovation. We're not building the same conference rooms that we built 20 years ago. I mean, 20 years ago, heck, Polycom couldn't even talk to itself because the siren protocols were jacked up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just one of those things. We're building conference rooms in ways we never thought before. And so we as an industry need to get out of the box mentality and start focusing on people, which is where certifications and standards and everything come into play. Because I'm investing in a person who will invest in this industry. I'm not investing in a box that will deprecate me its ROI and be replaced in three years. Right. I like that. That's good stuff. Because in the end, the industry is not boxes. The industry is not lamps. The industry is not projectors. The industry is not a DSP. The industry is the people who physically invest in it. And that's where investing in yourself becomes the paramount concern, right? Right. Yeah. We're getting help, if you will, from people who never thought AD would be a career. I mean, I started doing yeah. this 23 years ago. And I, 23 years ago, I decided that I was going to be the best gear relocation engineer on the planet because that was the life for me. Right, because roadies were awesome. They got to go to all the concerts. They got to hang out. They got to push. Oh yeah. What more could you want from life? Right. Backstage passes. Hello. Yeah. In today's day and age, kids are not looking. Anyone, not just children, aren't looking at that and saying, "Man, that's the career I want." Looking at everything else. That doesn't mean they're wrong. It just means maybe they're getting kind of a you know circuitous route to get to the avian. We have programmers now that exist in our space that speak four or five languages and they're not restaurant. Right. Restaurant because it's easy. Like, oh, well, I do, I can, I can program Python. I can do this and this and this. This is way easier than that. Let me try this for a little bit. And voila, yeah. I'm a programmer. Um, I know a person that works in the Bay Area market that is probably one of the best technicians I've ever met. He's thoughtful. He, uh, he's, he's very intuitive, always inquisitive, always learning. You know what he did before he worked in the AV industry? He worked at Whole Foods. Yeah, you never know. He stopped You know why he wanted a job in the AV industry? Because he liked drums. He thought it was cool. Yeah, yeah more of those weird how you end up in the AV industry stories. Yeah. I mean... I had somebody on the media side of me, a younger person, um, and he's writing an article, right? He writes for the publications, and he said, um, he was writing an article about how you get the end user to use the equipment correctly. And I just, I immediately, I saw the message, and I just immediately started laughing. So I was like, are you trying to start an AD brawl, you know, like a bar fight? Because is it getting the user 
to use it correctly or is it creating it so that it's intuitive for the user to use, right? Because right. you know, there's the old school of thought where it's like, oh, we design it the way we want and then we go and do a two-hour training and we hand out and this is how it works. But that's kind of old school, you know, from the user experience side, it would be like, well, then they should just intuitively understand when they walk in. I've been intimidated by many a touch panel in the boardroom where people are like, oh, can you do this? And I look at the touch panel and I was like, um, no, I'll let you do it, Mr. Manufacturer. I'm not touching anything because I'm for sure going to mess something up in this room. I don't want to delay our troubleshooting process or whatever the reason is that we're there. So, uh, yeah, I, I think going to what Justin was saying about standardizing, um, I think education is important. I, do you think, Jerry, uh, because you came from a, a broadcast world and I, Justin, came from a different world as well um, and have been doing, I believe, volunteer work at his church um, on the AV side and then eventually got a shot working for Michael B. Alice at Anadarko, if I know your origin stories, I think it's correct. Um, so... Did you feel like it made you feel a, more connected with the community once you got your Avixa, at the time, probably Infocom certification as a, as the actual, you know, person? Did it, did it make you feel part of the community, Jerry? Actually, uh, mine came, because um, I was preparing to take on a job as, as the end user. Back, oh, uh, okay. Yeah, this is in the so You did it at the end user level. I, when I when I got mine, I was it was actually just put it right now this week. I'm I'm gonna re up for the fifth time. <laughs> oh, nice! So, Bravo! Yeah, I, I got my CTS back when it was online. Oh wow! Okay, so, so yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's been a while. Um, but it was one of those things where because I was going to the end user and and I kind of had the option to a lot of a lot of people don't get there's unfortunately because they don't have they don't feel like they have the option to from their employer i know well every, and I, every, I feel bad for people with the small integrators i know because they're not going to pay for it and they might be in economic you know positions where you know you i would paycheck to paycheck so i get it right, right? right. and, 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 and your employer is financing it right exactly well not, not only financing it but giving you the time to yeah, that's the biggest thing. Like right now, you know, everybody goes, "How come you haven't you haven't done your CTSD?" It's like, well, because CTSD, you you're gonna have to put in a good eighty to one hundred twenty hours before the test before you really are ready to take it. Yeah, I don't have that. Yeah, well, I don't have that much vacation a year, and you're expected to kind of do it on your own time. By most, because otherwise, yeah. what, what is is your employer going to take you offline for that long a period and not focus on right. actual work so you can do that? And that's why I've never taken it because none of my employers have ever given me the time to do that. Yeah, they're they're, they're all they're all happy to, to pay under. for it, and as long as you stay, you know, you know, as like you got to stay that's a year after that, otherwise you have to pay them back right. for it. But they'll they'll all gladly pay for it but they won't give you the time. They're like, well, you do it on your own time. It's like, well, 50, 60 hour weeks of dealing with nothing but AV. The last thing you want to do is go home and read about AV. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's one of the things that makes it difficult for a lot of people. And, you know, even on technician levels and things like that, these guys are working hard, long hours and stuff like that. They don't have time to do it on their own dime. Yeah. You know, one of the companies, I worked for AVIS Bill for a while and I love, Uh that they act not they not only encouraged you to do it they actually kind of demanded you do it they're like okay oh, you're, yeah. you're 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 now this level of technician or whatever you need to get these certifications by this time next year and you had a plan and you you know you mm-hmm. agreed to it and there was a person dedicated to education at at the home nice. office that would go hey I need to take these courses and like that. And your manager, Where was are you? your, your manager was encouraged to say, Hey, so-and-so needs to do this certification. You need to give them the time to do it. So like, for instance, I had to do OSHA 10, OSHA, OSHA 10, OSHA 30. Well, OSHA 30 takes a week. Cause you're yeah. only allowed to take like seven hours a day. So, you know, 
So, and, or I forget what, uh, it might have been something less, but as far as the course, you can only do so much. So it takes you around the week because you still got other stuff uh-huh. that you got to do for work. Right. You get these things, you got to have a manu- uh, an employer that gives you that time. A lot of the smaller employees won't because they're like, you know, they're working cowboy style, you know, do what you have to do to get it done. Sure, sure. Right, right, right. No, you know, very few people have the time to go home. And, you know, if, you, if you're a family man, you get home, you got your kids. The last thing you're going to do is going to go hit the book. Yeah. You know, and you got to. I think it could be hard to juggle that. Yeah, exactly. I, and that's, that. I think that's the part that makes it tough for a lot of people. A lot of people see the value and want it real bad. But I think that's that's our industry. Our employers are going to have to push that to really yeah. get, make it grab a hold. Because a lot of employers, they want it. They Some of them demand it, but they won't give you the yeah. time to do it. You know, that, and so I think that's, that's the barricade we have to go pass through. And I would say to that so point, yeah, go ahead, Justin. No, no, you have something more meaningful to say. Go ahead. No, I wouldn't say that. I, I would, I would offer up that that's why at the show the weekend courses exist, right? The three days, because yeah. you know, kind of back to what we started with the discussion. That three day course, they realize, you know, Avixa realizes that the most valuable commodity we have is time, and so if they can cram everything they can into those three days, assuming that you're a, a professional who has done X, Y, and Z and you understand these things, the, the idea is that you will glean the data you need. It'll be kind of a, a jump start for the old noggin and you can step into the test. And take that, that's the, the bang for your butt proposition when it comes to taking the, the, the courses at the show. Does it always work for everyone? Absolutely not. Everyone's a different kind of learner. Uh, you know, auditory versus kinesthetic versus visual. You know, there's so many different learning environments. They try and level set as best they can to get yeah. everything to the same level. But I, I feel you because when I got my CTS, uh, I'd been trying to do it for a couple of years. Uh, you mentioned Michael Bialik. He encouraged me to get my CTS. I hadn't done it yet. I went to work for DP making money hand over fist because it was during the Macondo spill and, you know, they were hiring everyone at that point in time. And yeah. uh, when I went to work for Apache, my boss at Apache did much the same thing that Jerry described. She, my boss said, what do you need to be successful? And I, I love that. I talked about it and I showed her what I wanted to work on. And she said, okay, I'm going to hold mm-hmm. you accountable. And she did. Um, she drove me nuts. To be really honest. I mean, she would walk by my office when I had study time booked on my calendar, because she could see my calendar. And if I didn't, uh-huh. she would sit there and stare at me. It's like, because that's what we need. I'm not going to go exercise by myself, but Lord have mercy when I had a personal trainer. It's been a decade. Of course, I'm going to show up. I have an appointment. I have to be there. I have someone that I'm accountable to, right? And right. having a boss like yours, I think, is incredible. That's, that's what you need. Yeah. And accountability is important. And I mean, you know, Michelle, I've got your book. Whenever you want it, and you, I will hold you accountable. Jerry, I've got a book for you. You don't have the book. I've got it for you right now. I will bring it to you. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I will make this commitment to anyone who listens to this podcast. If you cannot get the materials you need to study, if you will call me, message me on LinkedIn, Facebook, email me, Justin underscore Watts at me.com, I will send you study materials. Well, I, I have the CTSD prep. I have the book because when you take that three-day course, part of that because it's it's, well, yeah. it's not cheap. You get the you get the prep, yeah. a book, and you know even tools. You even get you know the scientific calculator that comes with it yeah. that mimics oh, the nice. testing one. Yeah, so it's the same calculator that's on the on the computer that you, at the testing center. So you know, so yeah, uh, I got all that stuff. I still have the problem. My takeaway for after taking that course, and this is personal to me. This is not my, like, like Justin just said, it's different for everybody. What I got out of it, I got all the, the information, but I got out of it then saying, you know what? I know all this stuff, but I'm, I am not ready to take the test immediately because I will have that problem where 
I know too much for my own good to be able to do good on this test. And that, that's a I think it would be thing. humbling if you took it and failed. Well, that, that's part of the fear, you know, because a lot of it, well, the <laughs> test is, A, it's not free. No, you know, right. And you got to go to a testing center, and it's very, and it's good that it's that way because, again, especially on the higher level CTSs like the Ds and that's, you know, which I think the D yeah. probably is like the, the most technical out there. It's, it's pretty, it covers a lot. Yeah. There's I'm a bad. lot, you know, and, the, and there's also a lot of math and stuff that we're no longer doing manually. Yeah. <laughs> ah, right. You know, right, right. I mean, I don't know a single engineer that doesn't use, you know, a screen calculator online that actually knows right. the math off the top of their head. There's a lot of them that do, but there's a lot of them that don't even know what the math was or is from the get-go, but they know how to get to, you know, Projector Central to use their calculator. Yeah. You know, so it's Shout stuff like that. Right. And, you know, and that, that, that prep course, it was, it was, the takeaway was great. I love it. I know it. And, uh, you know. Yeah, you did enjoy that course. You I did that. enjoy it. I enjoyed it a lot. But mm -hmm. that also, when I walked out of it, I'm like, holy crap, I need to, A, study it, and I need to have time. You know, because, again, the, the prep book is, it's, it's big. It's big. Yeah. I mean, it even comes with a DVD and all this stuff. It, there is a lot. DVD. Right. And, again, it, it comes down to that time to prepare for it and having that. And I can tell you right now, with my schedule at work, I've, I haven't found the time to even crack that book open because I well, can't do I'll it. Do it. Can. My employer won't let me do it. Oh, I, I doubt it that they'll let me because, you know, hey, we got 10 proposals and RFPs to respond to. We can't give you two weeks so you can time. study and then take it, you know, so got to find the time and. Anyway, but well, I will say, and I will give a shout out uh, because my girl Josie Mulroy, she is a leader, one of the leaders of the Evicta Women's Council Houston group. Uh, she was going to be taking a few days of PTO off, and she was going to have her CTS book with her. She is studying currently studying for her CTS. Awesome. Uh, now she's fortunate. She's with AVISPL, so they're sponsoring it. Um, and exactly. she's very lucky. She does have the support of her employer. So I'm very, very happy to hear that. Um, I also want to give a shout out to anybody that would like help, love, and support. Justin underscore watch at me.com. Justin wants to help facilitate. Um, I also get a retweet if I say, hey, Joe Ray. Uh, Joe is at the University of Southern California. He also believes in continuing education, which he gives to his students and attendees of classes that they host at USC, uh, like Dante and Big, uh, and, uh, Avixa, I almost said Big C, sorry, wrong industry, <laughs> Deja Vu, woo! Uh, and, uh, he has the Higher Ed AV podcast and is the founder of HETMA, which is the Higher Ed Technology Managers Association. He will be at ISC, and I think he's up to, I don't know, eight different presentations at Infocom because some people just want to work real hard and not have any fun. Uh, Justin, are you going to be doing any presentations? Are you teaching at Infocom this year in Vegas? I am going to teach this year, uh, and my speaking calendar is filling up as we speak. Nice, nice. Well, good. We're looking forward to that. And so we've already given out your email address. Is there any other ways people can find you if they're looking for you? You can find me on the interwebs at the Twitterverse and Facebook and Instagram if you're bored at, at Polydemachina. I'm all over the place with the same name and the same face. But what about MySpace? <laughs> it's still there. <laughs> and actually, also, if you want to have any questions, comments, suggestions, uh, are probably the easiest way to get a hold of Michelle or me for the sh regarding the show or any questions about the show or comments is through the Facebook, mostly AV web uh, Facebook page because we yeah. we all read it and stuff. So feel free to drop a comment, um, question. Absolutely. Calls names, whatever. 
participate? Uh, we are. We are. We are going to ISC as well. And I recruited right. uh, Kate Calderon at Tasteful Kate on Twitter. She will be doing some co-interviews. We are also uh, doing some meetups with the ABJM UK folks from Involve VC over in the UK. Um, I'm sure it will be utter chaos, and we will be audio and video recording it all. So we're going to have some crossover stuff, and then we're going to dump it all in Jerry's lap here Yay. at Side. Looking forward uh, to With it. a seven-hour time difference. So, yeah. Uh, so if y'all are looking to, to get in touch with Jerry next week, don't. Because <laughs> he's having plates full between all of his day job and, and all the stuff he's doing for the podcast. But hopefully we'll get some good content and i get some good interviews. So, and I will be interviewing Mr. Chuck Espinosa. He gave me a yay. So, All yay. Right. Thanks, Chuck. <laughs> so. Cool. All right. Well, I think we'll, we'll wrap it up with that. Uh, Justin, thanks again. Uh, love having you as a guest. We appreciate uh, it. You're welcome anytime. Yeah. Thanks again, This is fun. All right. Well, everybody have a good one and enjoy the rest of your day. Take care, guys. <laughs>